Hello and welcome to an extremely, extremely extravagant episode of Michael and Mom Talk Cancer. I'm your official host, Michael Kramer, and... This is Michael's mom, Ashley. We never know what Michael's going to say. Okay, today it's extravagant. I love that. It's not only extravagant, it's exciting because we've actually never met Jeff. He reached out to me. His name is Jeff Boothman. He wrote a book, and we're going to... We're going to get to that book later because it's amazing. But first, we just want to say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for being here. You are amazing. All the advocacy you're doing, all the help you're doing for cancer patients, for survivors, for caregivers. And drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Boothman. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, that's quite a build-up. I don't know if I'm going to be able to live up to that billing, but we'll... uh, Yes, you are. We'll give it a a whirl. (laughs) But thanks. Thanks for the introduction, and absolutely thanks for having me uh, on board your podcast. It's great. It's great to be here, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to work with you guys to help people just right alongside you. So thank you. Of course. Thank you. I want to ask, where did this whole thing start? Because you're a cancer survivor, so... I like asking people when they come on and their cancer survivors, like, what were their early symptoms and how they found out? Because to me, that was one of, like, the craziest things was finding out I had cancer after yeah. not thinking I had cancer. Yeah. You know, just, like, going through these weird symptoms for a few months. It was yeah. shocking. Michael was diagnosed at 19. Yeah. My husband was diagnosed at 59. I don't know how old. How old were you? All of that I was stuff. 48. Okay. okay. So young. Like, to me, yeah. that's young. Well, I don't know. You ask a younger person, it's old, so. <laughs> no, 48 is young. I will tell yeah, you that yeah, right yeah. now. Right, Michael? Younger uh, than me. Younger than yeah. him. Come yeah, on. With you. So, yeah, my, my story, I had a, a tumor kind of right above my hamstring on the back of one of my legs. And oh. it never really bothered me, it, but it was growing. And uh, we just moved to a new house and we're going through all the stress of, you know, finishing building it and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, I probably should go get this checked out. So I went to my general practitioner and he's like, I don't know what this is, but I can't really do much with it. So he pushed me into um, the James Cancer Center here in Columbus. And at the time, they weren't quite sure what it was. So I went in for something they call a needle aspiration where they basically stick some of the mm-hmm. stick the tumor and try to figure out what it is and uh that was inconclusive um my wife almost passed out during that procedure so that was <gasps> was she with you during it yeah she was right and she's not really good with that stuff so uh oh goodness yeah, they almost had two patients there for a minute but she <laughs> so that's, that's good. Funny. Uh, so then they referred me to a surgeon and the plan was they were going to go and biopsy the tumor and then decide if it was cancerous, how to, you know, resect it, whether they were going to be aggressive or not aggressive in terms of pulling the tumor out. Right. So went through that first surgery and they, uh, the pathology couldn't quite figure out what it was. And I'm like, Oh, wow. So, um, Wait, how long ago was this? Mine was whatever, six years ago, seven years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I went back to my surgeon and he said something to me and I'm like, I knew I was in trouble at that point, but I didn't know I was officially in trouble. He said, cause I'm like, okay, let's, you know, as soon as you guys are done figuring this thing out, I'm ready to go. Let's get this thing out and get on with my life. Well, right. he's like, well, we may not, we may not take the tumor out. <laughs> we may let the medicine take care of it. 
And I'm like, oh, look, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not that dumb. I knew exactly what he was talking about. But they didn't know at the time either. So they pull, uh, go back for another surgery. They get the tumor out and, you know, were aggressive because at that point they knew it was something they didn't want to mess around with. Um, but they still were they saying to... oncology or cancer or anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I was in the yeah. cancer hospital. You were in the cancer hospital. Yeah. Okay. So they, you know, they knew, but they didn't really know exactly, right, what it was. And then when they referred me to the uh, hematology oncology group, I knew I was in big trouble. So, right. um, and then I went to go see him right after the surgery, my second doctor. And he's like, well, you have T-cell lymphoma. So, ooh, yeah, we can relate right. to T-cell lymphoma. You're right. Yeah, you guys have been through a it's lot. It's a different things. one, but... Same thing, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I started chemo. That was the day before Thanksgiving, and I started probably the week after Thanksgiving. So, Okay. Yeah, and then that was... So my chemo was four days inpatient each time. I'm on the stick the whole time. I had a pick line. and Yeah, so I did that for uh, three rounds. And then had radiation on the spot where the tumor was taken out. Yep. Okay. And so, you had to do a lot of radiation, I read. I so there's some similarities here. I I did three rounds of chemotherapy as well. It was like yep. a five, six-day admission for me. Did right. radiation. Yep. But you didn't have a bone marrow transplant, did you? No, thank right. you. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, no that's an adventure, I bet, right? Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's an adventure. It's something. I think I wrote it down, but how many? You did a lot of radiation. Fifteen. 15, okay. Yeah. 15 four. sessions? Oh. 15 yeah. days? 15 sessions, yeah. So I'd go Michael. every day for three Yeah, weeks. 12 sessions. So, 12. Yeah. Okay, so your treatment someone. was like around four months long, you would you would say, with that? Uh, yeah, right, yeah, just about exact. Yeah, because they didn't push me into radiation right away. They give you a little bit of time to recover. And I was yeah. 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 sure you were. I can't imagine with a bone marrow transplant, but I had... Um, they don't want you to recover. Yeah. They want to push you while you're yeah, down. Yeah, of course, right? I mean, this is, you know, yeah. when you explain to people what they're doing exactly with chemo, you're like, Ugh. it's really barbaric, right? If you well, think they're trying to kill you, but not you. Right, <laughs> right. They're trying to kill you. right? Yeah. They're trying to save you, Michael. They're trying yeah. to kill the thing inside of you, but yeah. not you. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard exactly. with blood cancer because it's everywhere, right? As you know. So. Right. It was just crazy, and you know, I had I had a uh, some fair amount of complications along the way. Nothing earth shattering, but it was just it was an adventure. And it, you know, for me, everyone was like, "Well, why did you write a book?" And for me, it was kind of half compassion and half frustration. Right. right. So I don't know if you're able to kind of be mobile when you were having your inpatient chemo. Um, I could walk a little bit. Yeah. In the hospital. So that's I would do laps and it was yeah we would do that's laps yeah. we did lots of yeah. lots of laps yeah. yeah so put my headphones on and do laps and um he had me singing next to him he didn't need to or probably didn't thankfully, have to block me off thankfully but... we were together but wait i want to ask you yeah so you had a family at these at this time you have you had kids right yeah you have yeah, I, right. I saw you have three kids so how old yeah. were your kids when yeah. you were going through this because that must uh, be difficult was my oldest in college my oldest son was a senior he was a senior my daughter was a sophomore and my youngest was in eighth grade. That was okay. the layout. And they were involved in sports and all this kind of stuff. So my Which wife, God bless her, man, she was chasing them around. And, and luckily it was, I was at Ohio State, the uh, James Cancer Center at Ohio State. My wife actually, three weeks before I started into treatment, she got a job there. 
So she was wow. literally walk over at lunch, and then two of my Aww. kids would train down at the pool down there. So it was, you know, of all the places to land, it was really <laughs> pretty was close meant to everybody. To be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's. But it's a lot, right? I mean, as, as you guys know, it's it's just it's just a lot. It's a lot. You, had, I'm sure you had to stop working at least when you were impatient. Yeah. And and that was a different time. That was before COVID. Like that's the one. Yeah. Like kind of good side about COVID is people being virtual and working yeah. from home but yeah. this was pre-covid so yeah. it wasn't like you could say i'll just log on yeah well and i did i did a fair amount of that so luckily i was in a position where it wasn't it wasn't uh, too terrible to try and do that but no you're you're 100 percent right i mean it's it's hard and and the the thing that looking back on it and and uh, michael i don't know if you have the same uh, sense but it's like i didn't realize how fuzzy my brain was no, like the memories from back then. Until later. Yeah, right. yeah. Like I look back in the memories and I'm like, I can't even remember a full day. Yeah. yeah. He's lucky I took a lot of videos so I can remind him. I can be like, yeah. look at this video. Do you remember when it this was, happened? I actually started, when I got diagnosed, I started a diary on my yeah. computer. Yeah. That, so that's been are you still going? Are you, did yeah. you stop yeah. the diary? You're still, you Every are. Day. Okay. It's like a little right. paragraph I write. It's not much, but it's just like... Yeah. I like to remember and look back sometimes. Yeah. Like, oh, this is what happened. I was doing this. So and I, I did that a little bit when I was in the hospital because you know how it is. Like, there's there's somebody, there's your kind of immediate family, then there's your kind of close circle of friends. But then there's all these other people, completely well-intended, trying to, you know, help you somehow, but don't really exactly know what to do. So I just wrote, I just started writing a blog about here's, you know, here's what happened today in the hospital. And tried to make it reasonably funny, so a lot of it from the book. So I like that. That's, That's cool. Literally, yeah. I I kind of do the same thing. Yeah, it's spaced out, but I do the same thing just to update yeah. people in general because there's a lot of people that yeah. care and reach out, but it can yes. also be overwhelming. Yes, I mean for the patient, the survivor, and the caregiver as well. Right. I know it's a little bit different with ages with you, but. Yeah, we have like similar stories in different ways too because I went through this as a caregiver for my husband. So I can also relate right. to your wife who was working and trying to take care of the kids Insane. while you were going through everything. I remember yeah. that my kids were a little bit younger so they weren't quite as, as um, independent, but it's yeah. that was a challenge too. It's been a different challenge with Michael, but that was a challenge. So when you finished radiation, yeah. have you been, I mean, we always say you're always tied to cancer, like forever and ever. Yeah. It's like part of who you are. But have you been in remission since? And not that, re like remission is such a loaded word anyway. Yeah. But have you been without treatment? Yeah. Since? Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 They're like, get out. Um, we're done with you. So it's, you know, how the, the cycle is like you go every month and every three months and every six months and but we don't know yet eventually well <laughs> you, hopefully right you, you'll get to that that angle but it's it's you know and it and i think after a year a couple of yearly appointments they said go away but it's you know it's hard a little bit because there's no obvious symptoms of what i had right and i think okay. probably my guess is why the diagnosis for uh for michael took so long as well it's just you know, it's a little bit of a detective story, and it's almost the last place they look. Right. So, especially with somebody young and healthy, right? I mean, that's the crazy part. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, we were we were just everything like all the chips fell in the right place for us. Yeah. We had the right doctor who yeah. was determined to figure it out with a group of doctors that he brought in to help him. Like we were just 
Yeah. We are so lucky in that case. Yeah. But did, did you go to therapy? I, I knew you were going to ask that. I had that question written down too. No. Did you? No, like, like counseling, mental health counseling or something? Yeah. This no. was your therapy, I'm no. pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, it kind of was, right? Um, the reason, of one of the two reasons that I decided to write this book was I was walking around on my floor and it was dead of winter, freezing cold, middle of the night, and I'll never forget, there was this lady in her room and she was just wailing. And, you know, and I go to the nurse, I'm like, you know, there's a problem down here, baby, you ought to roll down there and see what's going on. She's like, nope, she's just, you know, she's just lost it. Mm. And they, they sent counselors in to help her and, and whatnot. It was just, it was just too much, right? And mm. I, I totally get that. You see that and that, you know, that's what kind of drove me to write this. It's, it's kind of like an instruction manual, not exactly. Yeah, it is. Like, if somebody would have just said, look, here's five things to work on. The minute they told me I was sick, here's five things to work on. I would have been a thousand times better off. I mean, my first day in the hospital, I was this close to a meltdown. And I'm not a meltdown person, let me tell you. Because I didn't have any kind of roadmap for how to conduct myself. I do feel you on that. Because I feel like, especially with my husband, I think in the adult world, it's it's a little bit harder to connect the dots. I think in the pediatric, like, it was pretty immediate that when he was diagnosed literally we had a therapist come in we had yeah. social yeah. workers come in yeah we had the bmt specialist come in like we were given a bigger support system which is ironic yeah. because the pediatric facilities actually make less money they yeah, actually sure. yep doctors don't make as we we know these facts now yeah. and but i do remember with my husband there were maybe there was support but i because i did read your book maybe there was support and i didn't know about it yeah. You know, well, but it wasn't presented to Yeah, us. it's opt-in, right? Uh, opt-in right. when somebody's in, in big trouble. And I, I just 100% agree. And it, my advice always is if you feel like it's too much, then raise your hand, right? Yes. They will. Somebody will find you help, right? And if no one is willing to help you, reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to you. I'm no expert. I'm no doctor. But it's just like I'll... It's, no, you are, you're an expert because you've lived it. You're, you are an expert. I mean, I... I yeah. I, you hate to say expert. I literally, I was writing a blog this morning talking about that. Like, we're not experts, but we kind of are yeah. just because we've been living it for three years. And yeah. you're an expert, too. How long did it take you between being in remission or, I don't know, yeah. ending your treatment, I want to say, yeah. and, and deciding to write this yeah. book? Uh, and by the way, I'm going to... I'm going to post this. I'm going to put it in the notes, but I just want to say yeah. it out loud now. Yeah. It's called How to Be a Cancer Patient yeah. by Jeff Boothman. And I think it's wonderful. I, I love it so much. He sent us a copy and I just, I love it. Yeah. But how long did it take you in between your um, end of treatment and, and maybe even deciding to write the book? Or did you know right away you wanted no, to? No, I, I started to write it pretty early on. You know, it's interesting because it does a lot of times take perspective to get clarity, to be able to explain things to people, right? I kept coming back to it, right? I would write it and then I would read what that is and I'm like, well, that's okay. But then I knew there was this kind of bucket of things that I wanted to cover that were important. Um, so long story short, it's probably about five years, soup to nuts. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it's not okay. a very long book, as you, as you can see. 
no, but that's good. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not intimidating. I was I scared. Right. Yeah. So, when you said you were sending us the book, I was like, oh my god, am I gonna have time to read it? But yeah. no, it's 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 a yeah. great size and it's easy. Also, what I love about it is you can flip through, and you can land on a chapter and read that. Yeah. And I really like that about it a lot. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's you know, and I'm not a writer. Lord knows my seventh grade English teachers the probably freaking out right now. <laughs> you know what? Right. They are so proud of you, and they are claiming the fame that they were your teacher. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, boy, I was was not good in English, let me tell you. I I was okay. I mean, I kind of learned to write a little bit better as I grew into adulthood, but it's... um, Me too. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, you you know. And, you you know, you do it. You practice it every day, which I think is great. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Writing is one of those things that, like, when you're in high school or middle school, you're not, like, so stoked about it. But as you get older, you're like... (laughs) Yeah, pretty cool. Like, yeah, it's a chore yeah. versus a kind of a, a relief or. A release. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And and I know you even say that in here. You know, grab a journal. I, I've heard that a lot of. Yeah, it's great. It is great advice for yeah. any survivor, for any caregiver. Like, it is for anyone going through anything. In fact, it's my daughter. You know, she yeah. always tells me when she's going through anxiety. She's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go journal now." And right. I'm like, yeah. It's a great tool, and you turned your journaling into so wait, a great manual. But so yeah, spe- yeah, yeah. Speaking of tools, like, yeah. I just want to ask this kind of like personal question: What do you like to do, like, for fun? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I love, I love asking people those questions. Yeah. Like, what are your hobbies? What is like kind of cool stuff about you? Because what got you through this? Like, Michael, we yeah. talk about the things that we've done. Yeah. Because you have to escape, and, not escape, but yes, escape. Yeah. Yes, escape. Deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it was centered around my kids, but, you know, I like being outside. You know? Yeah, me too. I will garden. I will, you know, we're building, like, walking trails on the property we live on, running around with the dogs. How big is this property that you're it's building not, walking not trails? Yeah, it's not very big. It sounds like, oh, we're going to have No, it's like seven eight, which isn't that long. It isn't that long. <gasps> we live in an apartment, so. A two-bedroom yeah. apartment. Yeah. But it, <laughs> That to me was the most therapeutic thing, just walking around outside. And yeah. it's freezing cold, it doesn't matter, right? It's just that whole sense that you're out and the trees are out and maybe the sun's out, maybe it's not, but it's it's just that kind of relief you get from being in nature. So nature. for me that was a big deal. So we you know, we planted trees, we built a big giant garden, we do all this kind of stuff and in the uh, winter, I don't know, I'm an amateur woodworker. Not very nice. good at it, but I'm learning. And it's so ironic, like that is one of the blessings also at the pediatric hospital where Michael was. Outside, it's beautiful. Like if yeah. they would let him when, when he was okay and they would let us go downstairs and go outside, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah. And then there's another hospital where you're treated. It is not nice outside the adult hospital. Like you would never want to go outside and get fresh air there, which is kind of sad. Now, Going I, outside, I nature's so important. Yes. 100% agree. So important. So, out of all the people in the world, who has had the most, the biggest impact on you, you would say? If you could choose, like, one person. It doesn't yeah. have to be someone in your life. It could be someone that doesn't know you. But it could be someone in your life, too. Yeah, wow, that's big. Uh, big it's question. big. So, I, I kind of think of it two ways, right? One is kind of in your family circle. Right, there's somebody that Yeah, of course. And I think that would probably be my maternal grandmother. Oh um, not necessarily by anything. It was just she's just a great example, right? You know, my mom mm. followed in her footsteps, my sister to some extent, a lot of my cousins. It was 
just to see her operate was amazing, right? Always nice to people, got herself together when she's going to the grocery store. I mean, like every possible thing, right? She just had herself mm-hmm. together. I think that was a great example. I think, you know, on the other side, from kind of an aspirational side, I look at a guy like Ben Franklin. Okay. And if you, if you read about all the things he's done, right? He's a lot like me, and I have kind of career ADD, right? Where <laughs> I've done all these different things going through. He was exactly the same way. I mean, the guy was into everything. And it was, yeah. you know, he's over in France and is an ambassador and he comes back here and he helps, you know. Leonardo to- da Vinci, scientist, yeah. artist. Yeah, same. I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. Like if you yeah. read this, I'm like, like, like wow. you know, real, a, a true, you know, a true uh, person of curiosity. I thought that was great, so. I love that you said that curiosity, like a person of curiosity. I think that yeah. was so important. You know, obviously, we'd been through cancer with my husband. So when Michael went through it, we were kind of prepared. Have Had you had anyone close to you with can- When my husband went through it, I didn't know yeah. anything. I was like, I don't know anything. It was our, my first experience. With Michael, it was the second, and I felt so much clearer. Yeah. Had you ever been through cancer with any of your family or anyone close to you? Yeah, with with my father, but it was okay. It was lickety split. I mean, it was right. he had um, again he had a tumor on his tongue. Oh my gosh! Which is like a crazy place to have a tumor, right? And all the doctors are like, oh, I don't know what it is. So they they finally biopsy it, and they're just like, oh yeah, you may have a problem. And then they do a, a scan, and they found it was it was pretty pervasive. So. You know, it was a it was a quick trip from there. I think for him, but um, you know, I think it's different. Actually, I think you get a sense of this. It's totally different as the caregiver versus the patient. So for me, being caregiver, I wasn't tuned into how do I help. You know, for instance, how do I advocate for him? How do I go and gather more information to go help relieve stress? Things like that. I wasn't wasn't even the thought of my mind. I was like, okay, well, how do I get him to and from appointments? How do I make sure he's comfortable? You know, how do I give him medical options if there are some available? If I would have known then what I know now, I probably would have been able to, you know, maybe help differently. I don't know that it would have changed the outcome, but. I know. Yeah. That's how we feel too. Of course. I feel like I learned so much. Yeah on the first time with my husband and then with Michael and there's so many things I think I would have advocated differently but you can't look at it that way we just have to look at it like we had to go through that process to get to where we are now so if we hadn't gone through that we wouldn't be where we are now so it's it's hard to look back and have regrets you know but of course I wish I knew I wish there were ways to know what I know now then but we had to go through it that's it's, it's hard one of the things though it's like if you think of it right you're trained in large part not to challenge the medical system right while i would never go tell a doctor that they're wrong about whatever diagnosis right all the process steps that happen when you're a patient you know, it's certainly fair game to ask every single question you have about those. Yeah, we do. I mean, I'm telling yeah. you, I wrote that this morning. We are yeah. on the same vibe, dude. Yeah, right, of course. There is no, you, there is no question that is off limits, yeah. and you should never right. feel like, 100%. like doctors, sometimes sometimes we think that they are God and they have the control, and they are, yeah. they yeah. have a lot of knowledge, but everybody yeah. reacts differently, and you have the right 
I agree yeah. with you so strongly. Yeah. And that, that to me, I think, and for me, I never had any problem with it. You know, I, there's, <laughs> I told a story after I got done with my chemo, I was getting ready to ha- get handed off to a radiation doctor and, and my, uh, hematology doctor was like, Oh, well you could go see Dr. Smith or Dr. Jones or Dr. Whoever. And, um, my wife was with me and I'm like, well, I, I don't really care. Just tell whichever one is the smartest. That's right. the one that I want. You're right. And my wife, oh my God, you thought I just asked for something. <laughs> she was like, oh, you can't ask that. I'm like, well, that is what I want though. I really do want the smartest person on my team. If they're nice, eh, it's a benefit, but I want somebody that's going to help me get better. Right. So. Yeah, we want the one that's the smartest, the nicest, the funniest, yeah. the kindest, yeah. the most compassionate. They're asking for the world, Mom. I want they don't the have world. That one, yeah, they don't have one of those, right? So yes, they do. Don't you think we've had many of we've them? We've had some of those. We've had some. Yeah. Literally yesterday, we've the hepatologist, nice, smart, yeah, and spent over an yeah. hour talking to us. Um, yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. So... Yeah. You can ask for the world. You might not yeah. get every single one, well, but hey, look, the the uh, lady I had, she was great. I mean, fabulous, super. Sm- I mean, really smart, really bright. You know, when you t- there's some people you talk to that pretend like they're smart, and there's other people that really don't care if they, you know, you think that they're smart. She was in that second category, just great. And it and it does matter, I think, especially with all the fuzzy stuff that happens during cancer treatment because there's a lot of gray areas. It's not like they get a report and say, oh, well, here's exactly what you have and this is exactly what you do. It's like when you have a complication, you need somebody to say, yeah, it's probably not a big deal. You know, it doesn't mean we're not going to watch it, but somebody that's okay to say that with confidence is totally different than, well, you know, I don't know. We're going to have to spend a lot of time. Right? They're two different approaches, right? They're both going to do pretty much exactly the same thing, but the stress level that you feel from the person that says, yeah, I don't think it's a problem, but we'll watch it, versus the person that says, well, I don't really know what it is. Those are two different things in terms of how much stress you feel as a patient, right? So I'll take the first person in in that case. I think so too, but I think we're also lucky in another sense that Michael has had like a team. And they have communicated really, really well. And like they still to this day, now he used to be at the top of the list of priority when he was, you know, about to, you know, didn't know what was going to happen the next day. He's he's lower down on the list now, but he's still part of the conversation. And we know that they discuss him as a team at the other hospital, at the adult hospital, they communicate. I feel like there's part of me that's in there because I will yeah. email both together. I will text both together. Yeah. And I think that that has been huge because yeah. when one says, I'm not sure, another one says, well, I've had experience with this. Yeah. And they sometimes, not that they fight, but sometimes they do um, have conflicting thoughts. Yeah. And then we kind of wait and see right. which one right. works. You know. But my, my guess is it's in large part because you guys as a cohesive team are you know advocating hey what about this what about this you should talk to this doctor because he's seeing this i mean all that kind of stuff and not everybody does that right because it's you got to be a little bit insistent you got to be a little bit persistent you got to be i mean all these kinds of things that a lot of times and especially dealing with doctors people aren't comfortable with yeah yeah, that's why your book is so great. good. Yeah. But yeah. that's why yeah. this book that you wrote is amazing. 
because I think it's going to help people to navigate yeah. the things that either we don't think of or that we're too scared to ask yeah. or we're not sure if we have the right to ask. I think it's it's really, really important. Yeah. I mean, definitely. We need people to be writing books like this. And the fact that you did it, it's I, great. I love it. I think every cancer patient caregiver needs to pick it up. Yeah. It's extremely yeah. helpful. and. Don't mean to change the topic yeah. too but, much, but, but I want to ask you. A, we want to ask fun, fun questions. Question. Can we go for the fun now? Because we've been yeah, pretty serious. Go. So, yeah. what's your favorite movie? Oh, that was a hard one. one. That is so hard. It just depends on the day. I watched Godfather yesterday, but that's <gasps> good movie and great. So movie. well done. So well done. So uh, I've never watched it. Oh my then, god, uh, I need to change that. It, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, when you're sick, that's probably not the best movie to watch. No, it's not. Yeah. Like uh, the rookie, Dennis Quaid is a. Oh great my god, that's movie. so. That's a good movie. Oh, it's such a good movie, right? So, I haven't seen that um, in a long time. Yeah, those are those are kind of two of my favorite. You know, other than like okay. Caddyshack, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, all these kind of pedestrian ones. But, Love Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark. Yeah. What about? Do you have a favorite book? No, I I read a book a long time ago in grad school um, called The Fifth Discipline. Okay. Which um, was really, for me, a huge kind of brain expander. But it's it, it's um, written by a guy at Harvard Business School, and, and it describes how systems, if, if you define how a system works, then you're better to understand and navigate in it. So one of the examples they go through, it's, it's it's really amazing, right? So this, they have this thing called the beer game. And he sets the system up in a way where there's three groups of people. There's the store owners, there's the beer distributor, and then the beer company with the um, brewery. And then there's the beer drinkers, and, and that's at college. Drinker, right, yeah, right. <laughs> They're the ones that are at Harvard Business School. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short, he sets this, this game up in a way where each of those three groups make perfectly logical consistent decisions but the whole system breaks down and the whole point was and, and by system breaking down basically means at the end of the game the the brewing company had built you know two new breweries that were churning out all sorts of beer that nobody wanted right and it, to me it was a huge thing a huge learning that you know the structure of the system could be the problem right and i that's one of the things that when i look at how the hospital systems are constructed and how they deal with cancer patients, mental health, right? Not their diagnosis, not getting them better, but their mental health. That to me is the way I can make sense of it because there's no department that's in charge of, you know, reducing patient stress. They don't get paid for it. Well, I don't know. We had a palliative team. And when people hear the word palliative care, they yeah. think hospice. They think yeah. end of life. Yeah. But in fact, they're trying to change that in the cancer world. It was at least at the children's hospital. No, but even even at Sylvester, because I was just at the symposium and they were talking about how palliative care, they're really trying to redefine how people think of palliative. And yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that everyone has offered this and knows about it, but they really are. Like, their whole point was to reduce the stress of what Michael was going through. Yeah. And it was not it was not introduced to us on day one. It was not introduced when he was diagnosed. It was actually introduced, I would say, about a year and a half later when you were going through 
like the third, fourth time that he almost passed away and they came in and when they came in I was terrified I was like palliative this is hospice and they were like no 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 palliative is to make him more comfortable but it was mental it was stress it was physical as well it was pain as well they would talk to pain doctors they would talk to my doctors they would they were helping a lot they were like if there's anything you need that we can help you with make you more comfortable it was it was great but it was at a time where I was so sick I didn't really want them there in a way but they were there anyway yeah right right because i signed off on it but yeah but they are trying to change that narrative so oh i hope it's happening slowly yeah but i i see it in like little tiny bite-sized pieces that it is trying but i i agree it's not like that for everyone and also things are offered and it doesn't mean that you opt in that you know about them I know, Sylvester, there's so many things offered to patients, but we wouldn't, we don't know about them. We're getting to know about them, but it takes two years. Yeah. And not everyone has two years. And yeah, yeah. but I agree with you, the mental health. But if if you look at it, right, at least from what I see locally, right, the focus is explaining to everyone that their cancer is unique, right? Right. You're is one of a kind because you're a different person and, you know, everybody's diagnosis is unique. The, the crazy thing about it is, though, everybody from a, a mental health challenge and experience, that every one of every cancer patient's experience rhymes, right? You're told you're sick, you freak out, you need to learn how to navigate the medical system, you need to learn how to navigate your treatment. You know, there's going to be problems. How do you handle them? I mean, all those challenges are pretty much the same for every single patient. Yeah. Right? And and it wouldn't be that hard. And this is the first attempt at that to just say, look, here's here's some guidelines. Start here, right? Yeah. And if you, you really don't think you can you can deal with it, then raise your hand and get more help. Yeah. No, we agree. I mean, Michael has a, a cancer support career. I won, I won for caregivers. And it's not like you could yeah. only join if you have hepatosplenic cell lymphoma. No. Uh, yeah. Anyone with cancer yeah, there would be has more. been through cancer can join because it's yeah. relatable. Any caregiver, yeah. right. it, I I agree with you. Oh right. my gosh, we totally went off of our fun. T- it was yeah. still fun. Okay, yeah, but sorry. I think yeah. the beer experiment, like that yeah. went from the book to the beer. That all goes back yeah. to communication yeah. too and connection. And yeah. that's one thing. Okay, so if you have another a- fun question. Yeah, okay. What's sort of fun? What's sort of fun? your greatest fun. message? In the last message you want to leave to people. Oh. That wasn't what I thought you were going to ask. I thought but you I were going to ask the we, other one. We kind of got deep there, so I was like, we're on All the right, deep track already, let's so let's just deep. stay there. Yeah. All right. My, look, my message is you are the expert of you, and you need to go work on your behalf to be the best cancer patient you can possibly be and ask whatever question you think you need answered, whether it's comfortable or not. And if you're not comfortable asking those questions to your medical team, then find somebody who is. But don't leave the moment of when you're being diagnosed without knowing who's going to go and be that advocate for you, either yourself or someone else. Absolutely have to do that. Thank you. I love that message, and I agree with you. And also, yeah, I think everyone needs an advocate or someone with them because even if you're brilliant, smart, when yeah. there's moments that you're fuzzy. Yeah. There's moments that 
there's like too much going on. Yeah. And there's things he catches that I miss, and there's things I catch. It's like that in right. life. Yeah. Like, right. you, it's good to have a partner. Because always two minds are better than one, right. even if they both have chemo brain. <laughs> I have second hand, yeah. he has first hand. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask that question. The superpower that you wish yeah. you had. Oh, that is really hard questions. Very no, good. That's a good one. Good. Right? So, uh, oh, these are fun. That's a fun um, one. You know, if I could eliminate suffering for everyone that's the magic wand one wait that's if you could it is two and one question two and one okay yeah yeah i mean it's just you see some of this and you know i try to help you guys are doing a great job i think of trying to help and build relation you know relatable content for for people so i mean that's for me it's just it's and this i think is is fixable to some extent or to a large extent the stress of it it's fixable. Yes. You can't fix everybody's cancer, but I hopefully can help fix their stress just a little yeah. bit. Just, so. a, just a little bit of help yeah. would be. Even yeah. just a little bit. I agree. That's what we always say. If one person listens, they get something out yes. of it. We'll 100%. take it. We'll take yep. it. I, I yep. know that. Yep. Um, do we do our final question? The f- all right. This is the final question. Ooh. Can I ask? Yes. You go ahead. Okay. And the answers are tend to be so similar, but we want to hear yours. Yeah. If you knew tomorrow, like today was your your last day, you were going to pass yeah. away tomorrow. Yeah. What would you do today? Oh, uh, hang out with my family and have family feasts <gasps> and walk around in nature with my dogs with them in tow. I love that. Like I, love it. I we started asking this question maybe ten podcasts ago. Yeah, I think. Everyone I think family. every single person has said be yeah. with family. And that yeah, I cannot good. tell you that's how good. happy that makes me. Yeah. It just I I think that's beautiful. Thank yeah. you so much. I mean, you're amazing. Yeah. This book, book is awesome. I love it. Thank We're you. gonna share it. How to be yeah. a cancer patient, Jeff Boothman. Yeah. Jeff, how can I know that you can find it like Honestly, when I went to Google you at first, yeah. before your website even came up, Amazon came up with the book, and oh, I was good. like, "Woohoo!" And then your website was right under, but I was like, "Okay, Amazon." So you yeah. can find the book on Amazon. You can find it everywhere. Yep. And it's jeffboothman.com That's is your it. website. Anyone anywhere that needs any kind of help, where I might be able to provide it, I'm happy to um, take the phone call or take the email, just like you guys, right? So yes. kudos to what you're doing. I certainly appreciate the opportunity, but also the opportunity to congratulate you in person about you know what you're doing here. It's just it's huge. Thank you. So Thank you so much for being on. How do I help you guys in your mission? Is there anything I can do um, on my side? Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, keep yeah, doing that, what you're doing. You're we're we're like on the same page. We're. Yeah. The same book, we agree with you. Same philosophy. Yes. So many things you said today. I was like, oh my God, it's exactly. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. on the same page. That's and great. this is an official goodbye from your host, Michael Kramer, and. And the official mom, Ashley Kramer. And thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you. Amazing to have you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys.